the world looks different after you spend 20 or 30 minutes praising Jesus. See, the world looks different because whatever you put in your eye gate, your ear gate, you know, whatever you take in is what goes into your heart. That's the entrance to your heart. See, so whatever you put in your eyes, whatever you listen to all the time, that's what's going into your heart. So when we get into the presence of God and, and we start singing, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you, or I'm gonna build my life upon your word, it like hits a reset button and we start actually thinking, wow, so all that junk I heard today really doesn't matter because Jesus is still on the throne. Jesus is still Lord. Jesus still has my best interest on the front of his mind. He's working all things out for my good. And that's what getting in the presence of God does. It get, like recalibrates your mind to the point where you go, wow, okay, I guess I can trust God. Because you're focusing on him again. So I just love the fact that we're, we um, take this time and just worship and simple songs like Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you. Because you know that is where, that's where the rubber meets the road. Do we trust Jesus? Do we trust him? When, when, when all um, things aren't going the way that we would like them to go, are we going to trust Jesus? Are we going to trust him? And when we prayed that last line there, and I say we prayed, we sang that last line, it says, oh, for grace to trust you more. You know what that's asking for? That's asking for challenges and trials and temptations because that's when we learn to trust him more is during those trials and those temptations. That's when we learn to trust him more is during those times. So whatever is going on right now, I just say, Hey, you're in the right spot because we have recalibrated ourselves to, to the word, to our, our only hope, that is Jesus, to our only hope, which is salvation. And we've got good news. Here's the good news. Jesus is alive. He's for us. His father, who he's right there next to, made the entire earth and he owns the entire earth and he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and all the gold and silver in the earth are the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And that's our father. So this is my father's world is a good song to sing because it puts us in remembrance that, hey, no matter all the nations that rage, I love Psalms chapter two where it says, Oh, how the nations rage, how they say of me, there is no help for him in God, but you, O oh Lord, are the shield for me, the glory and the lifter of my head. And I always get a picture when he, whenever I read that in Psalm chapter two, this is all stuff that's not even in my message, I'm just talking. Um, this is, this is um, download stuff. So as you look at Psalm two, where he talks about um, but you, O oh Lord, are a shield for me, the glory and the lifter of my head. This is the picture I get. I get a picture of Jesus going, putting his hand underneath your chin. You know, have you ever done this to a child? I have five sons. When they're little and they're feeling bad, they're feeling bad about something and they're all, their lower lips hanging down and they're feeling bad, you grab them underneath the chin, you say, look at me, son. 
and you like grab them underneath the chin and you lift up, he said, you lift up their head. And he says, he is the glory and the lifter of your head. So if you're, if you're in a point right now and you're in a place right now in your life where maybe you're going, everything's going sideways. You know what? He's the glory and the lifter of your head that no matter what happens, that he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Remember the, the, the compound names, names of God? We sang a couple of them just tonight. We sang, he's the all-sufficient one, that's El Shaddai. He's the all-powerful one, that's Elohim. He's the one who will never leave us or forsake us, that's Jehovah Shammah. He's the Lord, our peace, Jehovah Shalom. He's the Lord, our healer, Jehovah Rapha. He's the, he's the Lord, our provider, and the one who sees ahead of time and make provision, that's Jehovah Jireh, right? He's the one who makes us righteous, Jehovah Sidkenu. He's the one who is the one who calls us and sets us apart. And he says, you are my people. I have called you. You are my own. That's Jehovah M. Kadesh, the sanctifier, the one who sets apart and who calls. So when you look at yourself in the mirror, I want you to look at yourself a little different and say, I am called, I am called and I'm set apart by Jehovah himself, and I am called for a special purpose. He's called us his own special people. Peculiar people, he says, but special people. So I'm one of the peculiar ones, right? And, but he says we're his special people, and he loves us with an everlasting love, and he doesn't have any judgment to throw on you because he put all his judgment on Jesus. So when you think God's mad at me, no, he's not. See, well, sure, he's got to be mad at me. Look what I've done. Have you... Have, have you repented? Yep. Then he's not mad at you because he poured out all that anger on Jesus. He's no longer mad at you. He's not, he's not mad. He's saying, come, come to me. I had a, a friend who was on a, uh, on a college campus in, in California, and he was just sharing the gospel with people, with students on this large college campus in California. And someone the, the uh, chairman of the atheist club came up to him and started debating with him. He was a very bright pre-law student, you know, very smart guy, intelligent, but he's the head of the atheist club. And he goes, okay, hotshot, what if, what if a guy who killed and abused little girls comes to God, what's God gonna say to him? What's God gonna say to him? And my friend said, well, is this person still alive on the earth? Yep. He says, here's what Jesus' message is for that man who has killed and, and abused little children. Here's his message. God loves you. There's a way for you to receive salvation and forgiveness. God hates what you do, but he doesn't hate you. And there's a way for you to be saved and go to heaven. That's the message to that person. Now, all of us in here, in our natural human mind, go, uh-uh, no way, send that dude straight to hell, right? I mean, that's the, what the flesh thinks. That's what our natural mind thinks. But that's not how God thinks. 
God has already judged sin. doesn't mean he gives him a free pass, but what it does mean is that God's forgiveness is available for anyone. Think about the thief on the cross. He was being, listen, they didn't take capital punishment. You know, they didn't, you didn't get hung on a cross for, you know, spitting on the sidewalk, okay? He did something really bad. And he's hanging on the cross and he says to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And you know what happened? Jesus said, today you're gonna be with me in paradise. Now here's a guy that was on death row. He was actually in the middle of being executed and Jesus himself said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. That guy did not go through and list the litany of all the wrong things he did. That guy did not go through and say, well, see, now, if I'm going to do this, I got to get baptized in water, then I got to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, then I got to go to church every Sunday, I got to tithe, and then I got to help a little old lady across the street, and then I got to teach in children's church for a while, and then I got to do this, and then I got to do that, and I got to witness to my neighbors. And he didn't do any of that because salvation, all those things are good that I just said, but they're not salvation issues. They're not causes of your salvation. They're fruits of your salvation. They're not what gets you your name in the book. That's the stuff that you just naturally want to do after your name's in the book, after you've made Jesus Lord of your life. See, sometimes we get it backwards and we think we have to get all of our ducks in a row. If, if, you, wanna, if you know that terminology, we got to get our life all straight. But to use an old fisherman's term, God cleans his own fish. You don't, you don't pull a, a McDonald's filet fish out of the lake, okay? It doesn't happen that way. And if you did, it'd be gross. But you pull a fish, and that fish has scales, and that fish this, that, and the other thing, and you have to clean it, and then you have to make sure it's all the junk's off it, and then you fry it and, or do whatever you do to it. But you know, God cleans his own fish. So when you come to God, it's literally like the old Billy Graham song every single crusade Billy Graham did for 50 years, just as I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me. It's all about the fact that the blood was shed. It's not about the fact of what you did or what you didn't do or what you, how you performed or how you didn't perform. It's not about that. It's about what Jesus did. It's about what he accomplished at the cross. And that was a completed work. When Jesus, when he was at the whipping post, it says he was beaten so badly you could barely recognize him as a human. They had so tore up his body with that whip that had glass and metal and it was in the end of a, a, a evil instrument that had nine different things on the end of it. It was called the cat of nine tails. And it had embedded in it glass and metal and they would whip, it would dig into the skin and then they would pull it and it would rip the skin right off the person who they were whipping. When Jesus took those lashes, it says in the word that he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement that brings us peace was laid upon him, and by his stripes ye were healed. 
So, past tense, Isaiah 53, past tense. Ye, you were healed. Somebody says, well, what is that supposed to mean? The purchase price that bought your healing was paid that day at the whipping post. No more, nothing more has to be done. Nothing more has to be done for you than what was done at the whipping post. And then when he, even before that, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, it said he was pleading and praying and talking to his father. And he said, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. And it says that he was sweating and he was under so much pressure. He knew what he was about to go through. He knew the, the, the brutal beating and the brutality he was about to endure. He knew it all. And he was going through, he knew he was going to bear the sin of the world on that cross. And he knew he was going to be forsaken for a, for a while because that is what the plan was. God, it said that he turned his face. So he sweat, as it were, drops of blood. That blood was shed for you to have peace in your mind. So if you're tormented in your mind, he shed his blood on his brow as part of your deliverance. Today, that's good news. Say, Lord Jesus, you paid for the my peace of mind. You paid for my peace of mind. It says, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is firmly fixed upon him, Isaiah 26, 2. See, you'll keep him in perfect peace. He is Jehovah Shalom. So, and then he finally shed his blood a third time. And that was at the cross where they put the nails through his wrists or hand. They put it through his feet and they hung him naked on a cross, suspended between heaven and earth. The only person to ever live without sinning and they, they hung him up on a tree. They beat him beyond recognition and hung him on a tree. And he did all that for you and me. He did it for us. Why? Because the price and the judgment of sin had to be satisfied. And he satisfied the judgment of sin. He, the innocent, died for us, the guilty. It's the great exchange. It's the best deal there ever was. We can trade in our broken down life for his brand new life. We can have a brand new life in him. And all we need to do is trade in ours. We say, Lord, I give you my life. You're Lord of my life. And, that's, and when we do that, he gives us new life. He gives us brand new life. Didn't plan on doing an altar call right away at the beginning here, but it seems appropriate. You know, I grew up in church. I knew all the verses. I knew all the, I knew all the, I mean, I had, I would memorize at least one memory verse every week from my entire childhood because I went to Christian school and we had to memorize verses. And then I went to Sunday school and we had to memorize verses. And then my dad was a Bible memory nut. So he'd give me 50 cent pieces for every Bible verse I ever memorized. So I had lots of 50 cent pieces because I was greedy. 
and it was a way for me to make money, and my dad didn't care because he said, hey, you're memorizing the Bible? I'm good. And um, so I had lots of Bible in me, but I didn't know Jesus. I had sat through thousands of church services, and one day when I was driving in my car, I had this unction to go to my sister's house. But you got to back it up a little bit. Sorry, I missed a spot. I was lifting weights at Western Michigan University where I went to college. Was, this is almost 40 years ago. And I was working out with, and I worked out in the weight room in the, in the athlete's room because I had friends that were football players. So I, I got to work out in the, the, the special room because of my friends. And uh, so I'm working out. We're just doing my thing. And I'd go there by, with my roommates most of the time. But this time I was by myself. And I'm working out. And this dude comes up to me and says, hey, can I spot for you? I'm like, who are you? You know, yeah, go ahead. And so he's spotting for me. Next thing you know, he's witnessing to me. And he's telling me all about his life and different things. And I'm like, yeah, cool, whatever. See ya. And I left. Next week I go there, there he's back again. Hey, you want a spot for me? And I'm like, oh, geez, I guess I better because you spotted for me last week. So, so we start kind of lifting weights and spotting for each other and built a little bit of a relationship. And one day he says, hey, I, I'm on the tennis team. Let me teach you how to play tennis. I go, that's kind of a lost cause, teaching me how to play tennis. Um, but we played and it was all right. He was obviously much better than me. But then we, afterwards, he says, hey, by the way, what do you think happens when we die? And I'm like, okay, I'll bite. You either go to heaven or hell, I tell him. And then we, we start talking some more, and, and he goes, you know, if you, if, so you believe in heaven and hell, does that mean you're, a, does that mean, what does that mean? And I said, well, it means I'm a Christian. He goes, oh, so you say you're a Christian. What does that mean to you? I go, Jesus died on a cross for my sins, and, and I'm going to go to heaven because he died for me. And he goes, okay, you got most of the story right. And he goes, so you're telling me that you're a Christian, that Jesus is Lord of your life. And I said, sure. And he wasn't, by the way. But this is when I was in college. And I'll never forget what this young man said to me. He goes, so you're telling me you are going to heaven. I said, yeah. He goes, so you're a Christian. Yep, you're Jesus is Lord. Yep. He looked at me and he goes, then why in the world don't you act like it? I'm like, zing. You know what I told him? You have to understand. This is, I'm gonna put this under the, it's a, it's a quote. I told him to go to hell. And he looked at me and he goes, and he wasn't phased at all. Because you have to understand, I was not saved. So I'm like, go to hell. Like, that's that's kind of how I responded. And he looked at me unfazed. He goes, I can't go to hell because Jesus is Lord of my life, but I think you're going there. And I was like, I got to go. And I, I literally left. But it haunted me for like weeks and months. And I finally, about a year later, went to my sister's house and I said, okay, I got to know how do I get saved because I don't think I'm saved. I finally came to the point where I realized I don't think I'm saved. 
you know, I know all this Bible stuff and I went to Christian school and went to church my whole life, but I don't think I'm saved because you know what? I do all kinds of bad stuff and it doesn't bother me at all. (laughs) And she goes, yeah, you're probably not saved. You're right. So I gave my life to Jesus that night on February 5, 1985, 35 years ago. And I prayed at my sister's house and uh, she led me in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you know what happened that night? That night, God recreated my inner man and I became a brand new person. That day, that day, I never smoked marijuana again after that day. I stopped drinking. And within a couple of months, I never had another cigarette. Now, nobody told me to stop any of that stuff. Nobody told me to stop. I just did. Why? Because the greater one was living on the inside of me and he's going, Psst, stop that. Oh, really? Oh, cool. All right. And that's called being born again. When you have the, the, the creator of the universe living on the inside of you and he leads you and guides you and helps you and walks with you and, and you know what? He'll talk to you and he'll actually, he'll actually talk to you. That very night when I just had just accepted the Lord, that very night, I said, because I felt the presence of God so strong, I was like, what's going on, God? This is crazy. I feel, I feel you or something's going on here because this is really weird. And I said, God, how long is this going to last? Because I'd heard about people, you know, going on, they get on this, they, they got religion, you know. You ever heard of that? Well, that person, they got religion. And I didn't want to get religion because uh, I wanted something real. So I asked the Lord, I said, I just said it, said it just like this. I'm sitting in my car and I said, God, how long is this going to last? And literally the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I'd never heard the voice of God before. Holy Spirit spoke to me. This is what he said. As long as you want it to. It'll be this close and this intimate and this wonderful as long as you want it to be. And if you get lazy, and he didn't say this, but I found out later, if I got lazy, I was not as close to the Lord. So I'd run back and get back in the secret place and get close to the Lord. And tonight, with the few minutes I have left, because I used most of them already, I want to talk about what is that that we get back into? We get back into the presence of the Lord. That what I felt that night was the presence of the Lord for the very first time. I'd never felt the presence of the Lord. And I was like, I want this more. I want this again. This is awesome. And when he said, as much as, as long as you want it to, that is very important because it has to do with he's not holding out on us with his presence. We're not paying attention if we're not walking in his presence. See, if we seek him, we will find him. In his presence is fullness of joy and life everlasting in his presence. So the, the goal of tonight is for us to be inspired to seek, the, seek God in a way that is new and refreshing. Seek God to the point where you're saying, God, I need your presence. God, I need, I need to, you to walk with me. You know, the presence of God was real even in the Old Testament because in Numbers chapter, I believe it's 33 or Exodus 33. I'm going, I'm winging it now, sorry. Moses 
the people were being funny. The people were being rebellious. And God said, I made a promise to Abraham. I'm going to keep my promise. I'm going to send you ahead. I'm going to send angels ahead and drive everybody out. But this is what God said to Moses. But I'm not going with you. He said, I'll, I'll keep my promise because I promised Abraham. I'll, because God always keeps his promises. But he says, I am not going with you because you're a stubborn, stiff-necked people, and I'm not going. I'll send angels, but I'm not going. And here's what Moses said. If you don't go, we don't go. We need, we need you. We need your presence. And you know what it says in Psalms about Moses that the people of Israel sought God's hand, what they could get, but Moses sought God's heart, relationship. See, and what God wants from all of us, you know, his hand is awesome. God provides and he makes, you know, he makes all things work together for good. And that's awesome. That's his hand. That's what he does. And that's awesome. But what he wants from us is for us to seek his heart. That's really what he wants from all of us. He wants us to seek his heart, not just his hand, right? Y'all, y'all understand what I'm saying? He wants, he wants your heart. He wants all of our hearts. He doesn't want us just to seek him for his hand, but rather for his heart. Because in his presence, see, when we seek his heart, you know what we get? We get his presence. And when you get his presence, you know what else you get? You get all those other things that you were chasing. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. See, everything that you need has been provided at the cross. Everything. Everything we need. Every single thing we need has been provided for. Today, in this room, in this room right now, the power of God is here and it's present and it's here to accomplish what God sent it to accomplish. What did God send his word to do? He sent his word and healed them. It's one of the things he sent his word for, okay? So God's power is here and it's present. I wanna just refer to one scripture. Don't have a lot of time to really talk about it much, but we'll talk about it more maybe next week. It says, Luke 5, 17, now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers sitting who had come from every town. And it says, and the power of the Lord was present to heal. But at the time, nobody was getting healed. See, the power of God can be present and you not be aware of it. The power of God can be present and you can be completely oblivious. The power of God can be present and you can be keenly aware of it. So the, the power of God, every time the word of God is preached, the, the word of God carries within itself everything necessary to bring that word to pass. Okay, that's a big mouthful. The word of God itself carries within itself everything necessary to bring that word to pass. For instance... Romans 10, 9 and 10. You share Romans 10, 9 and 10 with somebody. You say, hey, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. If that person believes and confesses, they're saved. See, 
How can they how can they respond unless they hear and how can they hear unless they have a preacher and how can you have a preacher unless you're sent? See, so you the word of God is the primary source of the power of God in our lives. The power of God's not some mist that flows in and out of a building. The power of God is resident within his word. That where the where the word of a king is, there's power. So there's the word of God that's available to us, and within the word of God is the power of God. Everything we need has been provided. You know that Jesus accomplished everything he needed to accomplish on with the death, burial, and resurrection. He accomplished everything necessary. That when he said it's finished and he sat down, he didn't sit down because he needed a rest. He sat down because he was done. It is finished. It was a completed work. The atonement had been accomplished. Salvation, the word for salvation, sozo, includes within it deliverance. It includes within it healing. It includes within the word salvation includes peace, peace of mind, peace. It includes obviously health for your body, peace for your mind. It also includes provision. It's all inclusive, sozo, salvation. So today, as we look at this, as we look at the presence of God and what it does in our lives, today, the power of God is here for whatever need that you have in your life. The power of God's here. It's here. Why? Because the, because the word was shared. He is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. He is Jehovah Jireh, the one who's seen your situation and made provision for you already. It's already made provision for you. He's already provided victory for you. He's already provided peace for you. He makes even your enemies to live at peace with you. See, it's all been done. You've already got it in the bank, but what we've got to do is we've got to make a draw on that. And you make a draw by saying, yes, Lord, I believe that you have provided for my healing. I believe you've provided for my whatever it is, financial need, peace in my relationship. I need favor with this particular entity or person, whatever it is. He's provided that for us. So today, what I, how, I'm, how I'd like to do this, because it's already a little bit late, but I'm gonna just do it this way. That's what I feel we should do. If you have a need that you need to make a draw on the anointing, really is what it is. Make a draw upon the word of God. One of God's promises. It says he has provided for us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's already made provision for every single need that you have. Part of the journey is convincing this thing on top of our shoulders that it's actually true and God actually does care and he actually has provided for all of our needs, whatever they are, whether it's healing or finances or relationships or whatever it is. Because we have to wrestle with this thing because this thing says, oh, but you don't know what I've done. No, I don't. But you know what I know? It doesn't matter. God loves you and you're forgiven. 
If you, if you haven't asked him to forgive you, ask, okay? But once you ask, you receive, and then you receive what you need. But seek him. Seek his heart, his presence, his heart. And once you seek his heart, then in this environment, we just say, Lord, I need you, and I need this particular need in our lives. I'm a dad. If one of my sons came to me and says, Dad, I need this, and I had that, the, the wherewithal to do it, I wouldn't hold back. I'd help him. And, and I'm just a, a man. How much more God will give and, and bless and make available his, his provision for us if we will just reach out to him and ask. It says you ask, you have not because you ask not. That's one thing, okay? So first of all, if you're there and you haven't asked, it's time to ask, okay? And if that's you, I'm, I'm, I don't feel like I even make need to have you stand up. I think this is between you and God and I'm just gonna pray and all of us together, I'm not gonna ask you to single yourself out or anything. You just stay right where you are And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if that's you, I just want you to grab a hold of of what it is that you need from God. And it's already been provided for you. But you just grab a hold of that and say, Lord, I thank you. I believe I received that. And grab a hold of it and and realize you aren't trying to wrestle it out of his hands. Your, your battle is within your own self, not with God. God is freely giving. So Father, we thank you that you have provided for every one of our needs. There's nothing, that no need that any one of us have, no matter where we are, there's not a need that's not already been provided for by your loving hand and through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in our lives. Father, we thank you as you, review, you have revealed yourself that you are Jehovah Rapha. You are the Lord, our physician, that your word is life and health and medicine. So we speak life and we grab a hold of that life today. And where there's ailments, where there's, where there's any form of disruption in the internal organs, cancer, or any form of disruption in internal organs, we command those organs to be whole. We command every cell, every cell that does not promote life to die now. Every cancer cell die in the name of Jesus. And we speak life to the bone marrow, to the immune system, and we command the immune system to function to the perfection you created to function and kill off every invader in every body in this room and listening online. We thank you, Father. Thank you that, Father, you are Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. And we, we just say, like Jesus spoke to the storm, we say, peace, be still to relationships that are at odds. Peace, be still to crisis that's going on in people's lives. Peace, be still to the rage and the anger that's being exhibited. We say, peace, be still, because you are Jehovah Shalom. And Father, we thank you that depression and loneliness have no place in this, in these, your people. 
We command depression and loneliness. Bow to the name of Jesus because Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And you are Jehovah Shammah, the one who will never leave us nor forsake us. So we thank you, Father, that you take every person that's dealing with loneliness and depression and you just wrap your loving arms around them right now like by the Holy Spirit, that they would sense your presence, that they would sense your goodness, that they would realize how close you are to them that you've never left them. And Father, we thank you for those that are dealing with financial lack. We thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, the one who sees ahead of time and you've already made provision. We thank you for for provision from unexpected places. We thank you, Father, for for provision for bills, provisions for, for, for apartments, provision for living quarters, for vehicles, for whatever it is they need. We thank you for jobs. We thank you for, for, for good-paying jobs and, Father, for provision that, Lord, you are the Lord of the harvest, and you are Jehovah Jireh, the one who sees ahead of time and makes provision. So we thank you for provision for every one of your people. We thank you, Lord, for supernatural provision. Thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. We thank you today that you've made the the most awesome provision there ever could be and that you sent your Son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And if there's anybody here today that's never made Jesus Lord or you need to reconnect with the Lord, it's been a very long time and you need to reconnect and you need to make Jesus Lord of your life once and for all. And that's you. If that's you, maybe you grew up in church like me and you, you know all about God but you don't know him like I didn't know him. If that's you, just lift your hand up right now. I'm going to pray with you right where you are, and then we'll talk afterwards. But if that's you, and you say, I want, I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. That's me. I need to make him Lord of my life. Lift up your hand real high. I see you. Thank you. I see you right there, bud. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for my brother right now. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for my sister. I thank you for my brothers. I thank you, Lord, that you are at work in their lives. And I want you to just repeat this simple prayer with me. Say, Father God, I come to you in Jesus' name. I've broken your laws. I've not lived for you. But starting today, I make Jesus Lord of my life. I will live for you. I ask you to fill me with all your power, with all your gifts, everything that I need to live a victorious life. I receive it tonight. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father, that our names are written in heaven and that, Father, we have a home with you forever if when we leave this earth. And we thank you for that comfort in Jesus' name. Amen.